Justin Shears and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. With recording sessions for their new album in full swing, the Beatles had dabbled with 8-track technology at nearby Trident Studios. As the biggest act in the world, they had often wondered why EMI had not, as yet, provided them with the cutting-edge recording equipment which was freely available to others, including Capitol Records' rivals, the Beach Boys. When the Beatles got wind that EMI did in fact have an 8-track machine at Abbey Road, but that it was hidden away in an office somewhere, they started making some noise. Engineers eventually retrieved the machine and installed it in the Studio 2 control room, without the approval of the powers that be, which nearly got a few people fired. But it was the Beatles, after all. The first song recorded by the Beatles at Abbey Road on their shiny new 8-track machine was an up-tempo remake of George's While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which had already been captured in a charming one-take acoustic recording. The Beatles had attempted a full band remake on the 16th of August, with 14 takes of the backing track recorded. This was now transferred to the 8-track tape on the 3rd of September, ready for overdubs. The Beatles had also spent nearly two weeks without their regular drummer. Ringo had left the band feeling that he wasn't part of the group anymore, but made his return to the drum kit for the Beatles' appearance on the David Frost Show on the 4th of September 1968. A few days earlier, the Beatles had released their first ever single on their new Apple Records label, with both sides getting the royal treatment on national television. Perfect rendition. Ladies and gentlemen, there you see the greatest tea room orchestra in the world. It's my pleasure to introduce now in their first live appearance for goodness knows how long in front of an audience, the Beatles. It's now on! Welcome back to part three, as you can see, with the greatest 
tea room orchestra in the world. Make right. Beautiful. No, we're in black and white at this very moment, I'm afraid. But as you can see, making their first audience appearance for over a year, ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! Thank you, David. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a
recorded to videotape, the Beatles sang live vocals over the recorded backing tracks. The director was Michael Lindsay Hogg, who had worked with the band two years earlier and would go on to direct the Let It Be film sessions in less than six months' time. I directed four of the Beatles' videos, uh, Paperback Writer in Rain in 1966 and Hey Jude and Revolution in 1968. John wrote Revolution, um, and he said, uh, whatever else you do in the song, I think I ought to have a close-up on if you go talking about Chairman Mao, you ain't going to make it with anyone anyhow, because that is the lyric in the song. And, and, we, and I said, yeah, my idea for <clears throat> Revolution is to kind of make it down and dirty and rough. He said, fine, just make sure I have a close-up for that line. John sang live, and then Paul and, and George did the Subidoos live. But it's basically uh, live vocals to a backing track, which is often what was happening in those days. John sang it straight, except I think uh, uh, the lyric about you can leave me out, and then he says, in.
Beatles performing Revolution almost live on the David Frost Show, a perfect amalgamation of the up-tempo B-side with added backing vocals from Paul and George, more in keeping with their doo-wops in Revolution 1. With their new single proudly released to the world, Paul remembers the reaction from at least one member of the public upon seeing the Beatles' promotion technique in their Baker Street boutique. I didn't realise it meant Jewish. It does. Actually, I nearly got into trouble because we, we put it up on, on a window of our shop. We had a little, we had a little shop because we were into fashion, would you believe, for a while. We put, hey, Jude, so the people going by on the buses would see, what's that? You know, intriguing. Ah, and then it was our record. Well, I got this furious phone call from this guy, Mr. Leon, who was Jewish. He said, what are you doing? How dare you do this? And so, so hey, Jude. Because in Hitler's day, in the Nazi thing, Juden Raus meant Jews out. So, and I didn't connect. Is I actually heard the name first in, a, in one of the musicals, but I like the name. Anyway, he rings me up and he's furious. Why are you doing this, you know, making fun of the Jews? We've got enough, blah, 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 blah. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. I swear to you, it's nothing like that. He said, I'm gonna send my son around to beat you up. I said, hey, baby. Cool it down, nothing to do with that. Said so you'll hear when you hear the record. It's just a name in a song and it's all cool. But of course I you know I suddenly was alerted to the fact that it would have caused him a lot of problems because his family will have experienced that, you know, um, firsthand probably. Anyway, I calmed him down. He was cool. And his son didn't come around to beat me up. <laughs> Thursday the 5th of September saw Ringo return to Abbey Road Studios for the first time in nearly two weeks. And he certainly felt the love of his bandmates upon entering the studio. And I came back and went in the studio and George had had it decked out with flowers. It's just flowers everywhere. And John had sent me telegrams saying, you're the best rock drummer, come on home. <laughs> and... Uh, and I just felt good about myself again, and we'd, you know, we'd got through that little crisis, and uh, it was great. Recording continued on While My Guitar Gently Weeps on this evening, with overdubs onto Take 16, which included a lead vocal and backwards guitar solo. But George still wasn't happy. The remake was scrapped, and a re-remake was begun with Take 17, although George pointedly announced it as Take 1. Okay, just try it. Take one. At this point in the proceedings, a very special guest was plugged in. You know Eric Clapton playing guitar on that? I think lots of people, some people wrote letters to me saying, you've got a really good blues feel where you play that guitar. And uh, uh, 
we didn't publicize it, but we didn't like keep it a secret. No. Eric's sort of good friend of mine, and I really dig him as a guitarist and as a guy. And um, he's very good at being put in a situation and he'll come out of it. You know, he'll, he, he's good at improvising and um, just, you know, adapting a very short notice to the situation. I played guitar on one track, yeah. Just because you, you was unbilled, right? Yeah, it was a it was anonymous venture. But George was, uh, I think George was struggling with with the with the two with the two big boys in in the group, and he needed he needed some backup on one of his songs. And that was, was that a kick? You kidding? Yeah, I mean to watch those guys work in those days was pretty inspiring. I'll just have cheese and lettuce and marmite sandwich and coffee. Okay, a one, two, three, four. Harry. 
it's okay. I sang, uh, tried to do a smoky, and I just aren't smoky. Take 27 of While My Guitar Gently Weeps, featuring Eric Clapton on lead guitar. The Beatles, with Clapton playing alongside of them, the first and last time another guitarist featured on a Beatles track, took the song as far as Take 44. However, upon playback, it was decided that Take 25 was the best take, and it was this recording which formed the basis for the master, with a few overdubs for good measure. One, two, three, four.
The 5th of September sessions for While My Guitar Gently Weeps, complete with Ringo back on drums and Eric Clapton on lead guitar, also saw the very first incarnation of a future Beatles hit single. version of Paul's Let It Be, jammed in the studio between takes for While My Guitar Gently Weeps. George Harrison clearly saw value in the song, suggesting they record a slow version of it there and then. Of course, the song would be reborn in January 1969 and would become the title for a Beatles single, album and film. Monday, the 9th of September, saw a remake of another of Paul's songs, but not before a quick warm-up in the studio. Beatles jamming Elvis Presley's 1957 hit You're So Square, Baby I Don't Care, a song which was also recorded by another of the Beatles heroes, Buddy Holly, in 1958. The instruction to Hold It Fellas is Paul's homage to another Elvis classic, Milk Cow Blues Boogie, in which Presley says to his band, Hold it fellas, that don't move me, let's get real, real gone for a change. The heavy arrangement heard in this brief jam of the Elvis classic was no accident, and, of course, had absolutely nothing to do with producer George Martin being away on holidays and his assistant Chris Thomas being in charge of a session for the very first time. Paul explains. Um, that came about just because I'd read a review of a record which it, where it said, and this group, it was about some group, I can't remember, saying, and this group really goes wild and they, there's like echo on everything, they're screaming their heads off. And I just I just remember thinking, oh, it'd be great to do one like that. A pity they've done it, you know. Must be great, really screaming record. And, and then I heard their record and it was quite strange and it was very sort of, very sophisticated. It wasn't 
uh, rough and, and screaming and take back at all. So I thought, oh, well, we'll do one like that then. And uh, I had this song called Helter Skelter, which is just a ridiculous song. So we did it like that because I like noise. How it came about was I had read in a, a music paper that The Who had, had done a really heavy track and um, Pete Townsend of The Who was quoted saying, it, this is the, we've just made the dirtiest, loudest, filthiest song ever. So I was kind of jealous. I didn't hear their song. I still don't know what song he was referring to. But I went in the studio and said, guys, we've got to do a song that's dirtier and filthier and louder than The Who. The thing about the Beatles stuff was that um, when I look back on the, our, what we produced, there's no two songs that are alike. Whereas, you know, a lot of record artists will find a great formula and they, the next three singles are kind of the same song, you know. Um, but we just, we were young guys and we would have got bored doing that. And the, the worst thing ever, seeing as we're allowed in the studio, allowed to play guitars and things, the worst thing ever would have been just to sit around bored. So we, we, we always changed whatever we were about to do, and did something different. So I had this Helter Skelter thing, and we did that, and uh, yeah, it is pretty raw, you know, it's pretty screamy. Even though I may not be singing it moving along, I'm just trying to ever get to the bottom of and then you just imagine. Have extra on the first one, so Where? Skelter, 
Keep that one. Mark it fab. Take 17 of the remake of Helter Skelter, now much closer to the loud, raucous form which would see its way onto the finished album. Take 21 was eventually marked as best, and a series of overdubs added to the chaos, including a squeaking saxophone with plenty of tape echo, played by John, a trumpet played by Mal Evans, and very faint backing vocals featuring the phrase Fanny Craddock, host of a television cookery program. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. When I stop and I turn and I go for a ride. Till I get to the bottom and I see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you, don't you want me?
Mono Remix 1 of Take 21 of the now complete Helter Skelter. Clocking in at just over three and a half minutes, this mix made it onto the mono version of the album, whereas the stereo mix fades back up for nearly another minute of chaos, before culminating in Ringo's famous complaint. It was good to do. We did a lot of takes on it, so it was hard on Ringo. You know, on one of the on one of the takes, you can hear him right at the end. He says, "I've got blisters on my fingers." So he'd been drumming so hard and so loud, you know. So yeah, I heard it on the car radio the other day. I did think, wow, you know, it is. I could see why people would think it was the precursor of heavy metal. But yeah, I, I wonder whether, you know, heavy metal bands heard that and thought that's the way to go. They're like you know, loud rock and roll basically. And I know the ACDC guys, and they're loud. Have you seen them live? Oh, baby. That's, that's one of the joys being in a band, is you get to plug in an electric guitar and turn it up just as loud as you want. And it's such a sort of cool feeling that uh, I could see why you'd form a group based around that idea. Helter Skelter would become a standout track on the new Beatles album as well as a turning point in their entire catalogue. With the ever-increasing scrutiny and interpretation of Beatles' lyrics, the song would be hijacked for nefarious reasons by one Charles Manson. What did you think of Manson when that thing happened? Uh, I don't know what I thought when it happened. I just think a lot of the things he says are, are true, uh, that he's a child of the state, made by us, and he took their children in when nobody else would is what he did, but of course he's, he's cracked, all right. But he, he, would, he uh, when, what was your feeling when he said, well, he was a helter skelter? Well, he's balmy, he's like any other Beatle kind of fan who reads mysticism into it. I mean, we used to have a laugh putting this, that, or the other in, in a light-hearted way that people, some intellectual would read as some symbolic youth generation. What's it? But we also took seriously some part of the role, you know. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, what's Helter Skelter got to do with knife in somebody? <laughs> you know, what, I don't even, I've never listened to the words properly, Helter Skelter, it was just a, sort of a noise, you know. I don't believe it, it's bullshit. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time, the Beatles enjoy a bit of quality time together as the White Album sessions continue. Until next time, 